Hello and welcome to the Men Able Matters podcast, brought to you by the Men Able Movement. I'm Steve Whitten, the founder of Men Able, and it's our intention to bring you hints, tips and the inside stories from our fabulous guests to help you to understand mental health and to get the global automotive industry talking about it as an everyday subject. So join us with another fantastic guest here on Men Able Matters. So welcome to another episode of Men Able Matters with me, Steve Whitten. Now, my guest today is somebody that I met at a professional speaking association conference uh, earlier in 2022. And uh, we hit it off because this lady is an anxiety specialist and her specialist area is helping people to break through whatever ceiling it is that's keeping them from being the best version of themselves. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to Men Able Matters, Caroline Kavanagh. How are you? I am excellent, Stephen. Thank you very much for inviting me. I've really been looking forward to, um, to having a chat with you because I know we do have so much in common, yeah. not only in terms of our kind of values and, and where we head things, but um, I actually think you're quite a nice guy too. Oh, shucks. Thank you. I don't think anyone's ever said that on a Men Able Matters oh. podcast before. Oh, you I need to talk to more nicer people then. <laughs> I'm going to edit that bit out and make a little little tra- little trailer of that on all on its own. <laughs> so, Caroline, in good old-fashioned Men Able Matters style, could I get you to just give us a bit of an overview of who you are, where you're from, what you do? Uh, and if you want to make that last about 30 minutes, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> I was going to say, a quick? No, I can't do that quickly. <laughs> what was the first question? Who am I? <laughs> so, <laughs> who are you? Yes, where are you from? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so yeah, Caroline Kavanagh, I work with people um, typically that introduce themselves by saying, I suffer from anxiety. And my response is, you don't need to suffer. We all have anxiety because if we didn't, life would really be in a bad way. Anxiety actually keeps you safe. Right. So, you know, anxiety is what stops you from putting your hand in a fire, it's what stops you from walking out into the road without checking for cars. Mm-hmm. Its role is survival, but people end up in a pickle when anxiety starts to lead them rather than them leading anxiety. Oh, so, wow. I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, I've not looked at it like that before because we're starting to talk about mental health being something you should celebrate. And I'm starting to get people kind of frown at me and go, what you're talking about? But you've just summed it up, so... It is, and it's um, you know, it's not just anxiety. Every emotion we have mm. has a positive purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was talking to someone last week that was saying, "Oh, you know, I'm really guilty." What's the role of guilt? It's learning. You know, I, I, one of my earliest memories was nicking a load of biscuits that my mum had baked and said, "Don't touch them because they're for tea." And I kind of went, "No, I don't think so. They're for me now." <laughs> and felt horribly guilty afterwards because I knew I hadn't done it. So the role of guilt was to remind me not to do that again because it didn't feel good. Right, right. Now, every emotion we have has a positive intention. Mm. But we just seem to calibrate these things as in good and bad. No, they're all useful. It's about giving your mind leadership. It's the lens you want to look through. Mm. Brilliant. So tell me a bit more about what you said at the beginning then, which was about uh, anxiety driving you rather than you driving it. Or, or I think it was something along those lines, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I say for, for most people, it, it's like anxiety has has got the reins and is leading you. Mm. Um, whereas I've got anxiety and I actually feel anxiety quite a lot, but I am choosing to put myself in situations where anxiety allow, allows me to heighten my performance. The role of adrenaline goes right the way back to when we were cavemen, um, the fight or flight response. Adrenaline mm. is there to up your performance to either kill the tiger or run away from it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. But when you can harness that energy and allow you to grow, fortunately, we don't have to fight tigers too much, but we do have to fight things that are threatening which may be, as you will know, as a professional speaker, if you're standing up in front of a load of people, you run the risk of making a prat of yourself. Mm -hmm. Therefore, adrenaline is there. No, I've made a living out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you don't. Maybe it's just me. But that risk is there. And so what adrenaline does, that chemical that makes you have the butterflies in the tummy. So it alerts you to the risks. Yeah, it's helping you perform. So right. rather than going, oh my God, I'm anxious, go, great, I'm anxious because I'm about to be a better version of me. Mm. Um, uh, every time you step over that threshold and go into the place of discomfort, outside yeah. of the comfort zone, you grow. So, but go, I'm conscious that there will be people listening to this who, and I hear this a lot, you know, will, will say things like, oh, well, it's okay for you. You know, because what they're doing is they're kind of comparing their anxieties and their level of stress and so on against what's going on or what they can see is going on in your life. So and I, I completely get what you're saying, and I'm, I'm absolutely with you 100 percent. And we've talked about this before. But what are the types of things then that, that do stress or make people anxious that means that anxiety then gets in the driving seat? That's a really interesting question um, because it's a very personal one. Mm. So I work a lot with teenagers and I'd say within that sector of society, a lot of it is about the fear of judgment. Right. You know, being the same as everyone else. Is someone going to judge me for having, you know, mucky hair or yeah. being overweight, not being the best? Um, And that is still relevant for adults, but perhaps not quite so acute as it may be with the younger generation. Mm -hmm. Um, With men, a lot of the anxiety is about um, not performing. You know, maybe not getting the next promotion or, um, you know, not being the best on the football pitch. Um, and with women, a lot of anxiety comes around um, the many balls that often as, as women we have to, to juggle. So mm-hmm. you know, being, being a mum, working, trying to support wider family, which, you know, and that's being very generalist. I know men do a lot of those things too, mm. but it tends to come out as a fear more in women than it does in men that fear of not being the best or not doing everything well enough. Yeah. Um, Sometimes anxiety can be really, really acute. And the word we use for that is a phobia. Um, Other times it is much more generalized and that tends to come more in terms of overwhelm. So what would you say to someone then who who would say, not necessarily to you or I, but would say to somebody, oh yeah, it's okay for you. You know, when they're comparing their level of stress or anxiety against someone else's, what, what would be? your suggestion or advice to them 
been there, done it. Right. You know, I, I have got to the place that I am now because my life was one that was being affected by anxiety. Mm. You know, I, I didn't go to university and fulfill my potential because of anxiety. Um, I could bore you for the next 40 minutes with all the things that I haven't done in the past because of anxiety. And ultimately, I've ended up in hospital twice because of anxiety. And the second time was when I hit my rock bottom. Mm, mm. I got to that point that went, this is enough. I need to do something different. Mm, mm. And that's when I started going, okay, if I've always been turning right, I'm now going to start looking left. Yeah, yeah. And going down a different road. And that mm. road is much more fun. It's led me to much better places, feeling much better, healthier. I haven't generally, apart from, I did get COVID, but other than that, I haven't been ill for seven, eight years. And not because I'm anything special, but because my mental health also results in a really good physical health too, because you can't separate the two. Yeah, yeah. So everything that I do with people in a therapeutic environment are tools that I have tried and tested and the majority still use. Yeah. yeah. We all start this journey at whatever stage. You know, I was in my mid thirties before I started learning this stuff. It's never too late. Mm. So you've only been doing it for about three years then. Thank you. See that I just realized that comment only works if you're watching the video version of this. If you're, if you're listening to this on audio, you just have to accept that that was a vain attempt at a compliment. <laughs> Look, I'm going to take anything. That it I landed though, it. didn't it? It no, worked. I'm it. Yeah, you're not you're not stressed or anxious anymore, Caroline. <laughs> um, so you mentioned at, at the beginning here, I think in the intro, my introduction, I said about the the ceilings that people need to break through, and I certainly know that my anxieties over the years have caused me to almost create false ceilings. Mm -hmm. So what do you, what do you see um, as a therapist? I'm going to use that word lightly because I know we're going to come back to that uh, or guardedly, I mean, but what, what do you see as somebody who deals with this are the types of ceilings that people have or that they create for themselves or that, you know, the anxiety gives them? They can, those ceilings can, um, it's almost like how many, um, how many ceilings does a skyscraper have? Right. If you're on the ground floor, the ceiling is floor one. Right. And that may be someone that has had, you know, a, a lot of trauma, has had a lot of stress in their life and has actually really reduced their comfort zone to be something that's very tiny. Mm. So to, to put that in context, I worked with a 14-year-old whose anxiety was so high that their school day was spent in an art cupboard because wow. in that environment that was tiny, it was the only place that she felt safe. Wow. The classroom okay. was horrendously scary for her. So her ceiling was outside of a classroom. Mind you, the school I went to, some of the teachers were like that. <laughs> yeah we won't go into that one no, that um, might have been because i was there for someone else they may <clears throat> be their their ceiling may be the floor below mm. um you know the boardroom the boardroom mm. level but that's still a ceiling for them and they want to break through it so mm. the the limitation is where you believe you can't go beyond and that is your ceiling 
but there's right. always something else. And I, you know, one of my personal beliefs is that if anyone in the world has done something, it means that as a human being, it's possible. Mm. I, I'm just noting that down because I like that little phrase you use, where you believe you can't go beyond. Was that the phrase you said? Oh, I don't know. Replay it. Listen to it. Where you, <laughs> <laughs> you can't go beyond, right? Yeah, I love that. That's, yeah, that's absolutely spot on. And I get the analogy of the skyscraper with the different levels and different ceilings. Cause yeah, so that's the, that's really kind of the point, isn't it? Of the, when anyone says, oh, it's easy for you, you know, well, no, but that, cause that's about perspective. You know, you're looking at life from the floor that you're stood on and the ceiling that's above you right now. And, and someone else might be on a different floor looking at a different ceiling because they've yeah. been through your one or yeah you know whatever so it there might will be. be there will be people on floors below me mm. and there's a heck of a lot of people on floors above me and i'm just keep wanting to go through the next ceiling and the next one and the next one until mm. i feel i'm either you know look as high as i want to go yeah or i die yeah i get That's that really the two options yeah yeah well, let, let's hope it's managing the first bit before the second bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've still got a lot of floors to go through. Yeah, <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. All right, so, I mean, where, where do you, so give us some of the success stories then, that, uh, and then we'll come back to the therapy. I mean, what, what are some of the things that you've managed to unlock for people if they, you know, get on top of this? Because I, I think we, you know, we're definitely living in a world currently where anxiety is probably quite high, isn't it? There's a lot going on, a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and um, an area that I'm I'm quite passionate about doing because it is. I don't want it to to um, make this sound a bit. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Simplistic um, is phobias, and so many people live with phobias that are really holding them back on life mm, mm. because of embarrassment. You know, whether it is a fear of spiders, arachnophobia being the most common Western phobia that there is. Yeah. Or public speaking, like you so mentioned before. Yeah. Debilitating. yeah. 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 Or public speaking, like you mentioned before. Public speaking, you know, even um, so I worked very recently with a gentleman who was about to be awarded a lifetime honor um, from his industry. He's a CEO of a massive organization and he was literally having puppies about the idea of standing on stage mm. and giving a four minute speech about himself, mm. a topic mm. that he couldn't know any better, mm. but he was in pieces about it. And he started working with me or he called me up eight weeks saying already eight weeks before this event, I'm losing my sleep. Mm. Mm. That's how much it can impinge. So I say, you know, um, fear of spiders is a big one. Another um, quite common one that people aren't aware of is a fear of birds, which means that sometimes going outside or having a walk in the country becomes impossible to do. Um, flying, obviously a common one, really common one with women once they become mums. They were okay to fly, but now they feel responsible for their children they don't want to put their children at risk. So suddenly flying becomes phobic for them. Right, right. And often it's not based around trauma at all. Yeah, um, yeah. And most phobias, one therapeutic session 
and it can be either resolved or brought back within a ceiling that you're comfortable being under. Mm, mm. So those are things that I love doing because it really can, uh, the word transform is a little bit overused, but it fits the bill at this one. It really does transform people's lives. Um, Another one that was um, much more personal to me was a friend of mine. She had the BRCA gene, which is the female gene that makes you very prone to breast cancer and ovarian uh, cervical cancers, all the female related ones. She had had three lots of breast cancer, had a double mastectomy. She'd also had cervical cancer, had a hysterectomy, and now she'd got a fifth tumor. Right. She came to me and she said, Caroline, you know, I can't do this again. The fear around going through all of that, you know, processes, chemo, I can't do it. We used a fairly basic technique under hypnosis, but she went so deeply into her psyche that I actually thought I'd lost her because I couldn't even see her breathing. She was in what we now call a catatonic state. Really, mm. really, you know, everything had slowed down. And what she said she was doing was turning off all the BRCA genes in her mind, which someone may be listening to this going, really? But when you start to see how powerful your mind is, the power of visualization is a technique that's now commonly used by most of the Olympic athletes because your mind can't tell the difference between reality and imagination. So just by imagining something, it has the same neurological impact as if you're actually doing it. Mm, mm. She mentally was turning off all of the BRCA genes. At the time, she was given six months to live, and that was nine years ago. Wow. And she subsequently, she has a full body MRI scan twice a year. And it was Christmas 18-ish months ago where they found some shadows on her lungs. And the um, medical diagnosis was she'd obviously got lung cancer. And she went, no, I've turned all the BRCA genes off. Don't make cancer cells anymore. And she was just really chilled about it. She said, I don't do cancer anymore. Mm, mm. And when they took a biopsy, it was just an infection. Yeah. Wow. That's the power of the mind. Yeah. I mean, harness. I'm conscious that that's probably, that's not necessarily going to work in, in every case, but I mean, it's a good example, isn't it? Of, of, as you say, the power of, of the mind and the power of the thinking. And if, you know, if nothing else, what it's probably allowed that person to do is to become quite centered and quite calm and, and still. And it is, and it's, what I help people do is to use that power of the mind. Mm. We tend to direct it towards this area of anxiety, but it can be used within the medical arena as um, that lady used it. Yeah, it is all yeah. about giving your mind leadership. Yeah. Wow. Love that. So let's, let's go back to the, you mentioned spiders and public speaking in there. Well, I, I chucked public speaking in there. Now I, I know, cause I've had a fear of spiders. Um, and that my fear has now gone from being a fear to I just don't like them. <laughs> Decided. Uh, I'm still not comfortable if there's one in the room and I know there's one and I can't get to it. Um, but I'm now more comfortable if, if there is one that I can, I won't pick it up, but I'll find a way of picking it up and putting it outside. Um, but I'm very aware that that's a learnt fear. That's a learnt phobia, learnt behaviour. Yeah. But with public speaking, because I'm like you, you know, obviously I do a lot of public speaking and I, I meet people a lot who say, oh, I'm scared of public. And I think, well, 
where have you learned that from? Because if you've never tried it, where has that fear come from? So what? talk about that for a minute, the public speaking fear particularly. You know, where does that fear come from? Okay, so in most cases, the fear associated with public, spearing, uh, public speaking is related to the fear of judgment. Right, okay. So anxiety is a direct response to vulnerability, a loss of control. Mm. So the more, it's like a scale. If you've got full control, there's no anxiety. If you've got no control, there's a high level of anxiety and there's lots of shades in between. Hence why you can be uncomfortable about a spider because you've got a degree of control. Therefore, it's not completely phobic out of control. Yeah, yeah. So when we're standing in front of an audience, you don't have control over what that audience is thinking. Mm -hmm. That's where the vulnerability comes. Mm -hmm. So for experienced people who um, are either very confident in what they're saying and have done enough speaking that they know that typically the audience is going to give them a very positive reaction because that's their experience, that allows their control or their perception of control to feel much higher. Right. Whereas when we all start out and we don't know how we're going to be received, we're at the other end of the scale. Mm, mm. Um, so typically, you know, it's a great example. I did a talk um, this week to a relatively small network group that I've done a number of times to different iterations of this group. The first time I did a similar talk to an audience of that size, probably about a year or so ago, I'd rehearsed it so many times that morning before it was kind of like just going around in my head on auto cue mm, mm. when i picked up to do it again this week i didn't even rehearse it i just hit zoom hello i'm here yeah because that confidence has grown in that i know that the talk is going to be received well because it has been yeah yeah as soon as i get someone going actually caroline that was complete tosh that vulnerability would shift a little bit and yeah. I would then take a different behavior and maybe go back to rehearsing it a bit more. So you and I take that to the next level, don't we? We go up a floor because what we do is we, a lot is we speak to rooms full of speakers. Yep. <laughs> as if the, the it is to judge you. Yeah, exactly. So as if the, the, the standard level of judgment, it wasn't good enough. We, we go for platinum level judgment, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Which, to be but fair, we don't get, people, do we? We get more critique. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of the people, that, you know, the, the real top speakers have been able to get to that position where they can say, yes, I know you're being judged, but actually your judgment is not going to affect who I know who I am. Mm, mm. Because, again, we all know whether we're public speakers or not, <clears throat> there are those people that are going to give you a hard time regardless yeah, they'd hate yeah. Mother Teresa. They'd, you know, they'd always find the negative in someone. That's not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of them. Yeah, yeah. So on a more, um, you know, sort of day-to-day -day, uh, level, I guess, what, what would your suggestions or, or top tips be for anyone who's particularly anxious about money, for example, at the moment? You know, we've got the cost of living issues. Uh, you know, we've got the war in Ukraine. We've got... Uh, rising fuel prices, you know, the whole situation with the, if you're in business, we've got the great resignation, you know, or people not being able to get the right people. I mean, there's lots and lots of stuff going on in the world that's easy to be very anxious about. 
stuff that's obviously outside of our control, which is the first yeah. thing that comes to my mind. So yeah. what would your top tips be for, for anyone who's suffering from any of that? So there's kind of two very broad brush approaches to that. The first thing you've just touched on is there's a lot of things we can't control. Mm. So focus on what elements of it you can control. Mm -hmm. So taking the Ukraine situation, for an example, you know, my husband and I spoke about, you know, could we take some refugees in? And we decided that given other factors in our lives at the moment, you know, I've got two children going through, you know, A-levels, GCSEs, having two people in the household may be disruptive for them and rightly or wrongly we chose that no prioritizing our kids and their education in this moment was the right thing yeah, yeah. i can't control what putin's doing i can't control the armies in ukraine so what can i do yeah yeah and the control that we felt we could give was making a donation to a charity that then would helpfully help those people mm -hmm. so it's focusing on in in that sphere of things that you feel uncontrolled, what element of control can you get? Yeah, yeah. Similarly, with the fuel bills, you know, we can't control when they're going to go up, how much they're going to go up by. But here, again, in this household, we're being a bit more diligent in turning lights out, in looking for more cost-effective ways of fuel, of how can we manage our money or perhaps save on other areas so we can afford to have to meet those higher fuel, um, fuel prices should they come in the winter mm, mm. and as soon as you start getting back in that seat of control what can i do you are moving yourself back along that scale away from yeah. anxiety towards control yeah the um the other side of the coin is also recognizing how much <clears throat> fear that you are having is not real so a lot of the anxiety, and I would say probably 80, 90% of the anxieties that people experience is nothing more than thoughts about things that might happen. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, yes, they might happen. Most times they don't, or they mm. don't happen in the way you were thinking about, mm. but they haven't happened now. Yeah. And now is the only time frame you can control. Yeah. So I know, for example, tomorrow I'm going to go and do park run. And I normally get quite anxious about it. I don't particularly like running, but I do it because I want to be fit. So I could spend this evening thinking about park run and how's it going to go and what am I going to feel like? And am I going to throw up halfway around? And that will muck up this evening or if I start having those thoughts, I can go, okay, that's not real. What's real now? My hands are real now. My dog is real now. I'll stroke my dog. Get back to get your mind focused on what is real now. Because your mind doesn't care. Again, leadership. Your mind doesn't care what you give it focus to. Mm -hmm. It could be something imagined and it will stimulate relevant emotions. It can be something now. It will simulate relevant emotions. Yeah, yeah. Be in control of the now. What you want. Yeah. God, that's made you speechless. No, I, <laughs> I, I absolutely, no, I, I was just, I was actually thinking I was more in awe of the idea of actually I'm more anxious than even the thought of doing park run, let alone going and doing it. So. <laughs>
that's not going to happen at my end. So um, just find <laughs> final point then. I mean, you touched on, uh, you know, you've got two kids going through a levels at the moment uh, and there are also, you know, lots of other young people who would resonate with the thought of, you know, exams or, you know, some, some sort of uh, end to their qualification studies and so on. Um, what do you see or what, and what would be your tips for, for some of the anxieties that come with that then? For parents of teenagers? Well, for no, for the, for the children themselves, for the teenagers themselves, you know, cause their, their anxieties. I mean, that's, it's that, that for me really is resonant of what you were saying there about a sort of a fear of thinking about what might happen. It's, it's like that, you know, the fear of failure almost. Yeah. It, it's a lot of the same principle, Stephen. So I'd, I'd be saying to those children, okay, you know, you're worried about what could happen. So what can you be in control of now? Mm. Number one, revision. <laughs> be in control you know yes you are going to be a heck of a lot more anxious going into an exam if you spent the last four weeks playing ps4 right that is something you have control over Mm -hmm. so if you do the work and you go into the exam knowing you've done everything that you can to perform at your best the anxiety comes right down because if you're at your best you can never ask for any more yeah yeah And it's something that I've said to my teenagers all the way along in in their particular school, their school reports would give a grade for where they're at in terms of their performance, but would also give a grade for effort. Mm, mm. And we always placed much more emphasis as I'd much rather you've got a one for effort and a five for performance than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you're doing your best, your best is always good enough. Mm-hmm. The other common tech um, sort of tip I do with teenagers is that so many of them think there is just one highway. You know, you do your GCSEs, then you have to do your A-levels, then you have to go to university. No. And just like in the real world, the motorway can get you there quickly most of the time. But when it gets blocked... You can be there for a very long time. Yeah, and we all know Look about that. Look yeah. at the A roads, the B roads. There's multiple ways to get to that end destination. Yeah, and again, yeah. speaking from you know my own perspective, I didn't go to university due to anxiety, but I've got postgraduate level qualifications now because I then did night school. So I started off doing like an OU self-study then I finished off doing night school. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I got my postgrad stuff when I was 25 and actually mm. think that I am better at what I did by taking that little bit longer in the scenic route than had I stayed on the highway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I t- totally get that. Well, wow, Caroline, you've you've debunked some of the myths around anxiety. So thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it. Uh, I suspect we may end up doing a, a Caroline Cavana Cavana. Sorry, I knew I was going to mispronounce your surname. I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, part two <laughs> was where I was going with That'd that. That'd be so. great because yeah, I'd, I would love to speak more about. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we were we were talking earlier about the issue with the recent uh, professional footballer who announced he was gay. Yes, yeah, and how it became such national news. And and my personal feelings was why the hell is something just announcing about who he actually is national news we should all be going around and going yeah what what's the big deal 
Um, And I think, again, that's a big issue, perhaps for a lot of your audience, a lot of guys is about, I'm afraid to actually be and to announce who I am, to show the world, this is the real me. Back to that fear of judgment. We should be allowed to say, this is me, take it or leave it. Absolutely. I can totally understand and resonate with with that because of uh, the whole fear of judgment, fear of, you know, people making assumptions and so on. So no, that's a very, very good point. So yes, yeah, so we definitely need to have you back and talking uh, more expert stuff around anxiety. So um, I feel a regular slot coming on, Caroline. Oh, look forward to it. Friday afternoon, 3.30, I'm yours. <laughs> Or if you're listening to the recording of this, any time of the day or night. <laughs> oh, no, don't, don't make me publicly accessible. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Caroline, finally then, uh, how can people get hold of you? If what you've uh, said has sparked a little thought and they want to get some more information, where can they reach so, you? So um, the best place probably is to hit the website. And it's very difficult to remember. It's my name, carolinecavanagh.co.uk. And on there... There's lots and lots of um, free downloads around some self-help tips that you can use. There are lots of um, videos that you can access as well. If you're more of a listening, watching, then reading type of person. There's all sorts of, um, I call them client stories. They're case studies of what people have achieved um, through using the the tool sets that, that I help them develop. Mm. And it gives people a real feel for, for what's possible. Yeah. Um, and on there, there's a contact page that if you want to um, have a chat with me, you can send me an email and we go from there. Amazing. Okay. So give us that website address again. So it's Caroline Kavanagh. That's Kavanagh with a C. C-A-V-A-N-A-G-H dot go dot UK. Perfect. Brilliant. Caroline, thank you so much indeed. Have you enjoyed being on Menable Matters? It's been my pleasure and I'm looking forward to part two. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Caroline, thank you very much indeed. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to Men Able Matters, the podcast brought to you by the Men Able Movement. If you'd like to get involved, join us at menable.org or follow the hashtag menable. Join us again for another podcast where we'll talk to more fantastic guests and get their hints, tips and insights to their personal stories too. See you again soon.